How can park certifications help to create better green spaces for all? This week on Pod Parks, we are exploring the growing niche of park awards and certifications, what they even mean, how they work, and what their implications are for parks pursuing them around the world. We're placing a particular emphasis on the Green Flag Award, the biggest of its kind, and exploring how both its organizers and park managers and recipients perceive its impact in their communities. I'm Alice Landon, and this is Pod Parks. Pod Parks, the podcast for the park-minded, brought to you by World Urban Parks. The world is waking up to the power of parks. Public green spaces have become the center of attention in the last few years. As cities grow and different pressures and drivers start to mount on these urban, social, and ecological systems, communities around the world are beginning to realize the importance of having access to nature in their vicinity, in their everyday lives. And parks are at the forefront of this new conversation. But integrating, improving, and managing healthy parks and cities can be a daunting task. Underfunding, competing interests, and a lack of community engagement or empowerment can leave parks in vulnerable situations and very prone to decay. Well, standards and certifications, they offer a level of protection for for various reasons. I mean, if parks are gaining investment, capital investment on, on regeneration, um, having a a recognized standard or a certification helps to protect that investment over time. This is Carl McLean, International Development Manager for the Green Flag Award, the biggest park certification in the world. I mean we've all seen the the example of a park that receives you know a million dollars funding and then five or ten years later it needs another million dollars because it hasn't you know it hasn't the, the, the city hasn't been able to maintain it to that standard not through the fault of the park manager, but through the the funding, staffing and resources that they've been given to do that. It hasn't been enough to to maintain the standard. Um, So with with certifications, it it does that. It offers a level of protection. But also, I think, um, actually, in some cases, the, the public are not particularly aware of what their park could be. Um, if you go on some, you know, something like Google Maps and look at reviews of some parks that you might, as a professional, consider to be in a poor state, um, the park, the the public sometimes think it's fantastic, but that's possibly because that's all they know, and yeah. they haven't seen what the park could be in comparison to other parks, either in the city or in other cities and things like that. So having a recognised standard provides um, that level of understanding of of what. Uh, what the potential is of a park and how close you are to that or how far above that you are. As Carl says, having standards and certifications can help to leverage park investments towards sustainable management plans. And it can elevate the level at which parks operate, you know, the levels that they aspire to achieve. Standards can also help guide park professionals to know what they should focus on to create beautiful, active and sustainable parks. But if they're not implemented thoughtfully, these incentives can create a further divide in park quality between some of the wealthier parks and underfunded or small-scale or community-driven parks, which is why I want to talk about 
the Green Flag Award. Yeah, well, Green Flag Award is an international accreditation program uh, that, that recognizes and rewards uh, public parks and green spaces. Um, it started back in 1996, so wow. 26 years ago in England. Um, and it was actually in response to, uh, at that time, a decline in standards of public parks. So what it set out to do was to um, create a recognized standard because one didn't exist. Nobody knew how do you define what is a good park yeah. and what isn't. And then uh, the idea was once you've got that standard, it provides a voice to the sector, to the, to the parks professionals that are managing it. As we learned in our very, very first episode about the history of parks, parks have really oscillated in the public imagination and in public priority. And in the late 1990s, very large parts of the world systematically neglected their parks. England was not the exception. And in the 90s, decades of underfunding left many of the historic city center parks as just basically barren land, as extremely in decay. The Green Flag Award was born out of a general concern for, for these parks. And a group of environmental managers, nature researchers, and leisure specialists got together to create an agreed standard of good management practices in British parks. Now, their objectives were twofold. First, to help justify and evaluate the funding for urban spaces, and also to bring people back into parks, to bring people back into the public life when a lot of city life had become really private. And it kind of worked. The standard grew and parks across the UK began to apply and commit to maintaining and improving their parks on a regular basis. And from 2008 onwards, the award was expanded to parks from all over the world. Now, Green Flag Award is is um, growing uh, outside the UK, but it's it's really really common uh, as it to be a parks manager in 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 the UK that you are either an applicant for the program, uh, applying for the parks you manage, but also most of the time you're also a judge. So there's kind of two hats that you wear. Um, so now to and, and the whole program itself um, supports the park sector. That's that's what it's designed to do. It's non-profit, um, and it, as you can see by what I've just said, it's kind of run by this kind of crowd-funded mm. by park managers through through voluntary service. They're all volunteers. Today, there's over 2,400 parks and green spaces that are accredited with the Green Flag Award, from which around 2,200 are from the UK, and around 200 parks are from 17 different countries from around the world. Now, only a couple of weeks ago, the organization announced an addition of 150 European parks that now hold the award, and more winners will be announced in the following months. And the certification is only growing in popularity, as many park managers are advocating for it, saying that it gives their team a voice, a, a tool to advocate for their park. And then from that, uh um, position of having a voice it allows you to then influence key decision makers, funders um, and politicians who you know they hold the keys to the success of public parks in a lot of cases um, and it's great to see at this conference that there's mayors involved yeah. other politicians uh, and that's that's a great th uh, thing to be, be part of Now this all sounds fantastic but what does a certification actually entail? I had the opportunity to speak to 
Pioneer and Green Flag Award recipients from around the world to give us a better understanding of why certifying a park is worth our time. Actually, the link with uh, World Children Parks is present. Uh, I uh, went to the conference in New Brighton near Liverpool, and that's where I met people from Green Flag. And I had planned to make a management plan for Revere and Hof uh, all along, so <coughs> I had, hadn't done it yet. And when I met them and I saw the way they worked and the way they used their management plans, um, I decided to try to get a green flag and, and to make a management plan according to their rules. This is Peter Verdick, director of the Provincial Parks of the Antwerp region in Belgium. One of the parks under his management is Riverenhof, a 135-hectare park and garden that is 100 years old. And in 2008, Riverenhof became the first Belgian park to win the Green Flag Award. So we had a... I came back from the conference and I talked to my colleagues. What do you think? Will we go for it or not? And uh, well, they said, yes, let's try to do it. And then it was a very intensive period in which we <coughs> wrote our management plan and, uh, in a few months' time. Uh, it took really a, a lot of extra work, but it was a good idea to do it because uh, then you have everything at hand. And um, Carl McLean at the time um, uh, came along and to see whether we would be worth um, getting a green flag and then we uh, uh, submitted our files and they were very, we were very glad that we got it. Now, let's pause for a second and talk about the logistics of the process that Peter is describing. Parks apply on an annual basis, so it's an mm -hmm. annual certification, um, and it has been from the very start. Now, that makes it uh, somewhat challenging to coordinate because you're not just giving an award and yeah. then it lasts for five or ten years. Um, but the, the reason it's done like that is because parks can decline rapidly if they're not managed appropriately. Okay. So in one or two years, a park that's had investment or is at a certain standard, uh, they can decline so annual it's like an annual checkup for uh, for parks and um, so a park manager would apply for each individual park and um, that they choose to it's not a citywide thing um, and to do that they um, they get in touch with uh, green flag award or the national operator um, and they submit an application now their application consists of a management plan which we help them prepare and then we have a pool of trained judges um, and they're all experienced judges from within the park sector in that country um, they volunteer their time to travel around the country to assess those parks that have applied um, the assessment process itself is then split between uh, a desk assessment which is looking at that management plan they've submitted uh, and also on the condition of the site um, and you can't uh, there's a certain weighting to both. You can't pass one and not the other. So you can't have okay. an amazing document and say everything is hunky-dory, but then the site is not quite up to standard and you can't have a poor management plan and the site is amazing because both of those things have to work in tandem to ensure the sustainability of a quality park or public space. So let's recap. The award is handed out every year. So say Peter's team for example, must update their management plan and their application year after year. And once they've done this, park professionals from their own country act as judges and assess both their management plans and the actual conditions of the park. Sounds pretty rigorous, right? It is important because to all the people that work for the Rivierenhof, 
and also for our, our other park. So Ivinov was the first one to get it, but I also have enough for Vrieselhof and Kessels ahead. And I also convinced some colleagues to try to get it, and, and they also did, <coughs> so it's uh, expanding. But for the people that work there, uh, it's an objective uh, kind of way to say you're doing a good job. Because I can go to the park and say, hey, you're go doing a good job, it's nice, and the public can uh, say that as well. But now you've got an experienced jury of park managers that comes in and gives you comments and say, you, oh, that is good and that you can do that way and you learn a lot from that. But at the end, if they say you're doing a good job to all of those people, it gives you wings. It uh, makes you um, want to go further and, and people know why they get out of bed in the morning to defend this park and to work to make it a better place. Um, the judging process itself is friendly, believe it or not. It's not a load of people walking around with clipboards pointing out what's wrong. Um, don't forget, these are park managers as well, so they can empathise with the challenges that the applicants are facing in meeting some of their uh, objectives or goals to improve the park. Um, but what they, the judges are trained to do is uh, talk to the, uh, the management team or the um, the staff about how they're managing the park and they do that against the green flag award criteria which is which is um it's all um included in our guidance manual called raising the standard um but it's broadly broken into eight uh, key categories and that ranges from things like you would expect like horticultural maintenance or boricultural maintenance um looking after the landscape but also into the other types of things like community engagement um is it a welcoming place in terms of how it makes you feel, in terms of equitable, equitable access and physical access for different people? Um, and also environmental management, biodiversity, heritage. Um, it was really well th thought through when it was first started and it involved lots of people from not just the park sector, but from uh, outside the park, because at the end of the day, it's the public that yeah. use parks, it's everybody. So. Um, it's a really inclusive award that considers um, all aspects of park management in a, in a specific framework. I think it's really important to take a moment to highlight the need to integrate these social sustainability and equity aspects of park designs and park management when we're designing these sorts of standards and certifications. Now, these dimensions are not as easily quantified or managed as, say, the amount of trees you have in a park or the physical infrastructure but they can just as easily, or even more so, influence people's experiences in parks. And accounting for these dimensions can set trends beyond a single park's management strategy. They converge into local and regional investment allocations, or even policy opportunities at a regional or national level. Now, I was really interested to know how this award is being applied beyond the UK and beyond its immediate circle. International policy, or I guess in this case, international certifications, can again transform communities across the world for the better, but they can also reinforce the status quo if they're not well thought out. So I asked Carl how this relationship plays out within the Green Flag Award. Well, first of all, I think the, the work that World Urban Parks is doing around the Emerging Leaders Program and working with emerging countries to support them in uh, improving parks management is is fantastic um, and that's something I think other sectors could really look at um, as something that's missing 
Um, with Green Flag Award as well, we because the program is was based on sharing best practice and knowledge, uh, we've done a lot of work in that field in terms of um, collecting case studies and um, other bits of research into our website, and we, we host that on our resources hub. It's totally free to access. It's all held in one place, and we've worked with park organizations in lots of different countries um, to bring their resources into this international uh, library um, so that's one way I think it's good to share what everybody else knows and whatever what everybody else is doing and it gives access to that from anyone wherever you are in the world so you don't have to start from zero right no and the way we do it on our resources hub is we structure it under uh, the green flag award criteria so it helps people work towards using the award um, to um, leverage influence you know for their parks in their city Another aspect of these park dynamics comes in the form of park size. Smaller, community-driven parks generally receive less attention and less funding than large, iconic, citywide parks. So I really love that the Green Flag Award outwardly strives to foster excellence and improvements, not only in these large parks, but in smaller projects as well. Of those 2,400 parks that I, that I mentioned apply every year, Um, 75% of those are actually under 20 hectares um, and 50% of those are under 10 hectares and then going further 37% of them are under 5 hectares so the program itself actually does support uh, more small parks you could say than large parks Um, and it's a message we really try and get across that it's not uh, your it's not just your um, Royal Parks or Parque Fundadora, uh, which are amazing, you know, and th- and they are really, um, you know, quite unique within the cities they sit. But you know, in London alone, there's 400 Green Flag Award-winning parks. Not all of those are the size of Olympic Park. Uh, a lot of them are small neighbourhood parks that the local um, authority are uh, harnessing the power of Green Flag Award in order to drive forward improvements and get political support. An example of a community-driven park that is doing just that is Parque La Mexicana, a park in Mexico City that is run by the Santa Fe Neighborhood Association. Santa Fe is a very new park in Mexico. It's on the western side of Mexico City. It it was an expropriation of the federal government during the 1980s, and As you said, it was a a place of mines, so it was filled with garbage or landfills. This is Itziar de Luisa, president of the Santa Fe Neighborhood Association and responsible for the operation of Parque La Mexicana. And uh, when they expropriated, they planned to be like a high income, uh, not only financial, but educational and residential area. And surprisingly, they didn't think about public spaces. <laughs> so we had this uh, land, it was, uh, it was previously a mine called La Mexicana Mine, and uh, it was of gravel, and the, the gravel of La Mexicana was uh, used to construct a lot of pl- important places in Mexico as a univer- national university place. This huge place was uh, constructed with the mine of La Mexicana. So it was a landfill, but it it was like a a previous story. And when they expropriated, uh, they thought about building 12,000 homes in this space. So instead of uh, 46 
buildings of 40, spa of 40 stories, we thought it was better to have a park. When we started to talk about uh, uh, talk about it with the government, obviously the government said, no way, we're gonna sell it to the private constructors and they will construct that uh, amount of, of houses. And we started with a full park. By the end of, I guess, 10, after 10 years of uh, meetings with the government, we ended up with a, the best version in which we got into selling 30% of the land, the, the income the government had with that uh, budget. They constructed the park and we uh, have a concession to operate the park. So the land is owned by the city and we operate the park for at least 40 more, well, 35 years because we have had it for five years. And uh, we have to maintain it as a, a open and free a park in the city. A neighborhood association advocating for and then receiving the concession to build and maintain a park instead of developing the land into more housing development. You can start to see why having leverage tools can be useful for park managers of La Mexicana. As we built the park and that and it was no park before, like we know, wow, your job is great <laughs> because no, a park appeared. But when we had a park, it's like we have to compare us to something. So it was very important to have a third party saying, okay, you're doing, you're doing great in this or you're not. So the Green Flag Award came to us um, with an ANPR as a third party observation. The Green Flag Award is an association in which they're willing to, they're, willing to help you get the certification like they won't they won't help you in a bad way but like they push you to uh, make a better service or make better considerations in which you can achieve the uh, the green flag award and uh, it means a lot it means that compared to the rest of the world you're doing a good job but you're doing a good job now. It doesn't mean that you have, you have to continue doing that. So uh, they show us a lot. We have to learn a lot. And every time we got a, this is our fourth uh, year. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, the previous years in which we get the certification, we have, we have observations. Like you're doing good, but you have a lot to work in. And that is a good way of making our plans, like how we can achieve next year. We cannot do the same thing as this year. The green flag is ex expecting us to do more, no? Not only we have to take in, consider in consideration our visitors or our country or the COVID, no? Yeah. Which has been uh, in previous years, but what are the observations that they made to us and that we have to do? And if you didn't do it, you better have a good explanation that why you haven't worked on that, no? It just provides momentum. Um, and, you know, to broaden out the benefits a bit more, it's, it's not just about, you know, that leverage aspect of getting, getting the resources you need. You know, it's also great for uh, a parks agency or, you know, or the staff team to have... Um, 
to have that vision of where they're going, uh, yeah. but also get that recognition. Again, it's a celebration of what you do because quite often parks are, we talk about it in the media and it's recognized, but when do you, you very rarely see people congratulating the park staff and getting together on an annual basis to celebrate achieving the Green Flag Award and achieving a recognized standard, whatever, whatever standard yeah. you're using. If you get it, you know that the quality of what you're doing is good. You always get some interesting remarks that can make you improve. And for the people that work there, it's really an encouragement to say you're doing a good job, keep on doing it. It's something you have to celebrate. It's, yeah. uh, we're, we're really glad we have it. And uh, with Review Enough, we've got it ever since. And uh, the year after we started with the two other parks. <coughs> um, and yeah, it's uh, very encouraging. One of the most recent recipients of the Green Flag Award is the Presidio, an urban national park in the middle of San Francisco, California. The Presidio was the very first park to receive the award in the United States back in 2020. And Michael Boland, chief park officer at Presidio Trust, really echoed what Itziar, Paul, and Carl say about the benefits to the management team as well as to the wider community. Yeah, so we were delighted to be uh, to become the first park in the United States that was given the green flag. I, I met Carl um, a number of years ago at a World Urban Parks Congress, and I learned about the program, and it really inspired me because I think that uh, so often in parks, the things that get attention are the, sh the big shiny objects. Yeah. You'll open a new, a new beautiful park, and that's what gets all of the attention. But in fact, what keeps parks beautiful and what keeps them welcoming and keeps them loved is op the operations and the maintenance and the management. And Green Flag is about those things. And it, it allows us to celebrate those things, but also to understand how we can be better. Um, and it inspires our team and inspires teams all over the world uh, to excel. And I think that's important because again, those kinds of activities that sort of day in and day out operational work it, it, it is often perceived to be a place where for, uh, government agencies can become a little bit uh, uh, lacking in innovation, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that what the Green Flag does is it inspires those parts of organizations to innovate and to be creative because the feedback you get is, you know, is based on the, the kind of view of these third parties that, you know, are objective and also have a broad perspective on what's going on in the world all around them. Um, and so bringing those insights from other countries and other contexts into your park. So it's, it's incredibly wonderful, the experience, uh, and incredibly valuable both in terms of the insights the judges bring, but also in terms of the, uh, of, of the morale of the team, yeah. you know, because they, they get to strut their stuff. Um, because it's not easy, you know, um, People just think parks are looked after by the fairies or something, some you know. Garden, no, yeah, absolutely. And that's not, 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 that's not no fault of their own, but it's it's much more complex than than the public and and some cases politicians actually understand. Um, and what we try to do is we try and lift open the bonnet to show you what's going on underneath and how and how complicated it can be sometimes and how much you know it requires to keep them going. It's not. Um, um, it can't be done on a shoestring, but on the other hand, they deliver um, 
amazing value for money in terms of the outputs to health and well-being, the environment, community cohesion. Um, but the good thing is that's all moving in the right direction. Um, and World Urban Parks um, are promoting that as well and providing, you know, bringing politicians into the sphere. Um, and, and that helps our cause as well at Green Flag Award. Park management is inherently complex, but it is a vital tool to ensure that Everything we talk about, all of these fantastic social and environmental and health and well-being benefits of parks are actually enjoyed by people and are actually as a part of, as Carl says, a broader public policy and investment strategy. So let's keep advocating for tools like the Green Flag Award or new tools to make parks better. And the next time you see a green flag flying high in your local park, Go and congratulate the staff. They've worked really hard to get there. This is the end of today's episode, but absolutely not the end of the conversation. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any updates on the Green Flag Award and other trends in the park's world. And if you want to reach out to current Green Flag Award recipients, visit World Urban Parks. We have a fantastic discussion forum where you can ask questions to other World Urban Parks members and engage with park professionals to get a broader picture of what is happening around the world and what are some of the issues that parks are encountering and maybe some of the solutions as well. And how today's homework is the following. I want you to go to the Green Flag Award site and there is a winner's tab with a world map full of every park that currently holds the award. Zoom in on your city or your community, and if you find a park close to you that holds the Green Flag Award, I want you to go visit it and let us know what you find. Pod Parks is written and hosted by Alice Landon, produced by Vittoria Martin and Luis Romano, sound engineering by Vladimir Yandis. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our community has for you. Get out, explore, connect.